This is episode 699 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. On today's podcast, 15 emergency numbers that you need and how and when to use oxygen absorbers. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by the exclusive Prepper Website email group, which allows you to communicate with other preppers right from your email. You don't have to worry about your every link, click, or word being tracked by social media. This email group resides on the same servers as Prepper Website. And other benefits include members-only videos, periodic webinars, and bi-monthly online meetups. This is a great value for $20 a year. To join the community, visit PrepperWebsite.net or click the link in the show notes. Hey everyone, before we get started, I just wanted to remind you that I am offering for $5 a month or $50 a year the top 10 articles on Prepper Website every week. And so that's over at buymeacoffee.com. There's a link in the show notes. So you can go right over there. But, uh, you know, there's there's so many articles that we post. We post anywhere between 8 to 12 articles every single day. And I know that I hear from a lot of you on the podcast that listen to the podcast. And they you say that you don't have time to read articles. So I thought this was a great way to provide this service where I find the, the top 10 articles and I send them to you just one time a week, like on Saturday, and you get those. And you're able to either read those or even drop them into Pocket and let Pocket, the Pocket app, read them to you. And so I appreciate those that have taken advantage of that, of this service. And uh, just I'm going to continue to offer it. So if you would like to be a part of that, just click the link, go over to Buy Me Coffee and sign up. And uh, you'll get your first edition on Saturday. All right, so on this episode, I'm going to do two different articles. They're shorter articles, but I think they're important ones. And things that we definitely need to know. So the first one's going to be on emergency numbers that you need to have and, and to have hard copies of. And then to talk about mylar, uh, mylar bags and also oxygen absorbers. That's one of the questions that we've been receiving, that I've been receiving lately. And I know that we've talked about it before on our exclusive email group. But with people th- you know, hearing about shortages and things like that, people are thinking about making food buckets. And so this is one way that you're going to want to do that. So this is a great article. Both of these articles I think are great. Um, They're small, but pack a lot of punch here as far as the information that you're going to get. So let's go ahead and go over there um, to our first article. It's going to come to us from foodstoragemoms.com. The article is entitled 15 emergency numbers that you need, but Linda does a good job of listening to her uh, community over there. And so uh, as I was uh, researching this one and looking at this one, there's actually 21 numbers. So I'm sure that people started emailing her and saying, hey, what about this number? What about this number? And so, uh, you know, just things that you might not have thought about, you know. And so uh, let me, I can go ahead and start with my commentary, but let me stop there. Let me just go ahead and get into this article and then we'll we'll go from there. All right. So again, 15 emergency numbers that you need coming to us from foodstoragemoms.com. Today, it's all about 15 emergency numbers that you need. Do you have a list of important emergency numbers that could come in handy in an emergency? If not, it's time to grab the notepad and pen, 
jot these numbers down and then keep the paper somewhere you won't lose it. For example, you can put the paper on the fridge with a magnet to have easy access to it when you need it because you don't know when an emergency will happen. It's ideal to have these numbers ready for you when you need them most. This is not an exhaustive list of emergency numbers that you need because everyone has different circumstances. However, these are 15 emergency numbers that everyone should have just in case. So the first one is local hospital. You might need the number to the local hospital if you're having an issue but don't necessarily need an ambulance. You can talk to someone about the medical problems you're having and see if you can head over to get an evaluation. Someone from the hospital may encourage you to come straight to the emergency room depending on the type of symptoms you're experiencing. If you have a walk-in clinic close by, you might want to check with them first. If so, put the number on your list too. So I think that's a great idea to have that local hospital. A lot of the times, you know, when we think about emergency numbers, we think about dialing 911. And uh, really, sometimes you don't want to call 911. You don't need an ambulance like uh, Linda said here. But you do, you might need to contact a local hospital for whatever reason. You know, one of those things could be that if you have uh, you know, for instance, I live in, in the Houston area and we have a lot of hospitals. So I have access to a whole bunch of hospitals really close by. And so it could be one of those things where if you're going to the hospital, you might want to call ahead of time and say, hey, do you know what's your emergency room look like? You know, are there a lot of people in there? Maybe I might go to another one. Or it could be that uh, you want to check to see if, you know, which one accepts your insurance or not. Because I know that there's some around here that, of course, if we needed, if we had an emergency, we would go. But there are some that specifically take the insurance that we have. So I think that's always a great idea. And then having the clinic, the, that last little part there, don't miss that one. Having like a walk-in clinic. In fact, I've, I think I've used that more than going to, you know, my primary doctor recently, just with little things that I have, you know, just to go there and, and, and take care of things. I think that's smart too. having that phone number is, is always smart. All right. Number two is the primary physician. So always have your primary physician number available. The medical professional knows the most about you because they see you for your regular checkups and have most of your medical records very close at hand. If you have medical concerns or questions that you'd like to ask, this is the number to have for those times. And I would also say as you get older and you have not only your primary physician, but you have other doctors that you go to for specific things that you're dealing with, you probably want to list those as well. I think it's smart. All right, number three is poison control. All right, the, or poison control center. Having the number to the poison control center is a must. If you or someone in your house accidentally ingest a toxic component, it's vital to know what to do to protect yourself. You can let someone from the poison control center know what was accidentally ingested along with how much of it so that they can provide you with the proper steps to take. The number for the poison control center is 800-222-1222. I think everybody who has had kids before, you know, you, you, you probably know this phone number or at least you've looked it up. But the thing is, is that when you need it, you don't want to have to look it up. You don't want to go and, and, and do a search for it online. You want to be able to call right away. There's people, you know, people react differently to different emergencies. And so you have some people that are panicking and they can't you know, get into their phone, they can't search, they can't do those types of things. And so it's just smart to have this phone number readily available. So if you have kids, 
Uh, if you, you know, you're dealing with kids, kids come into your home. I think this is a smart one to have. The Poison Control Center, uh, it kind of feels like at one point uh, they knew us by name. You know, I'll just say that. <laughs> Number four is the local police and fire department. When you have a non-emergency situation that involves the police, you can call your local police department. For example, you may have a question about filing a restraining order or you might want to report something you've witnessed that concerns you and that may need immediate attention from local authorities. Even if it's not something that requires you to call 911, this is still a critical emergency number to have. It's a great idea to have your local fire department number as well. Of course, 911 would get them to your house as well. Time is critical when you smell smoke or see flames. Please sign up for Reverse 911 in your area. You must register your cell phone with your local Reverse 911 notification system if you want to be notified of possible dangers in your location. You can Google Reverse 911 emergency notification in your city or county and you should be able to find it. Please do it today. All right, so I was, uh, I'm not familiar with that service. Um, I guess that's something that they will... Uh, send you information about in your local area it, or if you're there and maybe because of your cell phone it's pinging the different cell towers and things like that and that's how they would know where you're at or uh, specifically you know if you have location on so I really don't know how that works um, you might want to look into it some people who are a little bit more I guess you want to be a little bit more safe as far as who can track you and things like that you might not want to do that but that's something to look into definitely Number five is Animal Poison Control Center. Like the Poison Control Center, you'll want to contact the Animal Poison Control Center if one of your pets consumes something they're not supposed to eat. The number to reach a representative is 888-426-4435. The representative will provide you with specific instructions on how to help your pet, whether you'll need to give it hydrogen peroxide to induce vomiting or the need to rush over to the veterinarian's office. Number six is the suicide hotline. If you're struggling and have a mental health crisis or someone else in the household is having this problem, it's good to know about the suicide hotline. The number to call is 800-273-8255. You can talk anonymously with caring and considerate mental health professionals who want to lend an ear when you need it the most. Number seven is gas and electrical companies. So if you smoke gas in or around your home, there could potentially be a gas leak. Play it safe by having your local gas company's emergency line included in your list of emergency numbers. Then you can make the call to have someone sent out to the property immediately. Before you turn off the gas to your home, consider this. Turning it back on again is a different thing. It is best to have an official technician from the gas company turn it back on. If the power is out for an extended period of time, keep your electric power company number handy so you can report the outage and also get updates on the progress to get things up and running again. So that's very true. Uh, if you've ever had them turn or you've ever had to turn off your gas or what, for whatever reason or uh, they came, they thought there was a leak, just know that they're going to turn it off and you're not going to turn it on or get it turned on until... Uh, you get it fixed. And then sometimes, like in our area, I know that it's taken a while, even uh, maybe a couple of days to get people out to turn it on if it's been really busy. So if you're getting some gas work done or things like that. so. Um, but I think it's it's smart to be able to have that phone number handy. Again, that's a, that's a number that you don't always think about. 
And then if you're really in an emergency to try to track that down, you don't want to be searching for that. You want to be able to call right away. And then again, for for my purposes uh, here in Texas, because we have different electrical companies that we can buy our power from, I mean, the gas is all handled by one company, but the electrical company might be a whole different one. However, they will always tell you if there's an emergency to call, uh, you know, the gas company, because uh, at least here in, in, in Texas, or at least in Harris County, where I live, the gas company uh, deals with, uh, they, they handle the lines as well. And so uh, they have the line, the electrical lines, and uh, uh, that all that is owned by that company. When there's a problem with the water, it's important to call your water company's emergency line. Whether no water is coming out or coming out dirty and with a foul order, odor, the company needs to know of the situation so that you can take steps to rectify the problem. So I, I think this is a good one to know as well. Uh, one of the things I'll tell you is, you know, there are social media groups like the Nextdoor app and, and groups on Facebook. Um, last time that I was having... Uh, uh, water pressure issues. Um, I was about to call the water company and then I got on to go check that Facebook group uh, specifically and, and people were, you know, the, all the whole neighborhood was talking about how they had low water pressure and, uh, you know, various people had already called. So I think that's, you know, one of those things I've always talked about that. I hate Facebook. It's not one of those things that I, I so easily promote. But if you have a neighborhood group that you can you know, join and you can get information from, I think it's very valuable in situations like these and even like Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Ike, um, different, different things that are going on. They've always been very helpful. Number nine is a non-emergency ambulance. So while you might not need flashing lights and sirens, you could still need the number of an emergency ambulance service. If you're dealing with a medical issue and need to get to the hospital, but don't have a way to get there, Having this number is a must. The ambulance will arrive at your front door, help you get into the vehicle, and then safely get you to the hospital. Number 10 is the bank fraud department. It may seem strange to have the bank fraud department written as one of your emergency numbers, but it's good to have. If you notice any unusual charges made to your bank card or checking account, you can call the number right away, have them freeze your accounts, and get a new deb debit card sent out. The number for this department varies from one bank to the next. The number is typically on the back of your debit card, but please make a note of it before you need it. All right, so uh, I think that's important as well. Just having your bank phone number, I think that's important. And um, if you can, I mean, I bank at a credit union, but making contact with someone and knowing someone, I think that's always helpful. Um, there's always been, you know, when you when you build relationships with people, I think that's always uh, a good thing. And so they always remember you and they're always willing to do a little bit more for you. Number 11 is your children's school. Always have the number for your children's school listed on your emergency numbers list. This is because you might need to contact the school for something important involving one of your kids. You can also use this number to make sure your children are in school. Again, I'm going to talk about the relationships here. Um, when I was on the campus, I had a specific phone number to my office. And so if you build relationships with administrators or maybe a counselor, and you know, those different people, you can have their phone numbers, their direct lines as well. And that's always helpful. I mean, you probably would get a secretary, but at least you're not having to go through the front 
um, you know, the, the front desk and having to deal with all of that. Number 12 is the home insurance company. Write the number to your home insurance company down on paper because you might need to get in touch with them. If any damage occurs to your property, it's essential to immediately reach out to the home insurance company. That's very important as well. Like, for instance, when we had the freeze down here in Houston, um, or in Texas, actually, <laughs> it wasn't just Houston, it was all of Texas, um, the insurance companies were coming out, but they were inundated. So the sooner you get to the the insurance companies, the faster you get on the list and the faster that they can come out to you. And so I think that's smart. Along with having the um, the, the home insurance company and your auto insurance, which is going to be next, it's going to be uh, 13, um, you might want to have account numbers as well. And so I know that Linda talked about putting this up somewhere on your, you know, your refrigerator or whatever, having it somewhere close by. Uh, I'm going to give you another option here in just a minute, but uh, I, I think it's important to have also your account numbers too. And that way you'll, you'll be able to, because uh, they're going to ask you for that, right? So you'll be able to get right to uh, what you need and not just uh, bounce around and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So like I said, number 13 is the auto insurance company. So if you get into an accident or if someone breaks into your vehicle, you'll need to have the number of your auto insurance company. Jot it down just in case you need to call them quickly to let them know of something unfortunate that happened to your car. It gets the ball rolling a lot faster. Now, a lot of the times that phone number is going to be on your insurance card. And so you can you, you can always look that up. Um, but you might want to write it down somewhere where it's easy to find. Cause I know that, you know, looking at the, that small print, sometimes it's like, it, you know, kills your eyes. But then also if you have an agent that you use, so for instance, um, you know, I bundle like my home and my auto and, and I have a, an agent that works for me as well. Right. So he not only will contact the insurance company, but he's kind of a, a, a go between and he's able to help you out and give you information because it's, it's his, uh, you know, his desire to keep you as, you know, as business, right? So he wants to make sure that you're happy and that you're getting served and all that kind of stuff. So you probably want your, uh, your insurance agent, whoever you deal with, if, if you go through someone like that, you want to have their phone number as well. Again, building a relationship with that person, I think is important. Number 14 is an emergency dentist. When dealing with a dental emergency, it helps to have the number of an emergency dentist who can treat your dental problems without making you wait. Find a local emergency dentist in your area and write their number on the list. Make sure you're choosing one with good reviews. So I, I think that I would also have my dentist there too, right? So have your dentist, your regular dentist's phone number there, and then also an emergency dentist. You might even want to ask your dentist, hey, who, who would you call for an emergency? And you can go ahead and deal with that. And so you have someone that they respect and someone that they know. And so that you can, you can use that person. So I think having both of those phone numbers are, um, are, are important. Remember, you know, this is just not for emergencies, right? This is also convenience. And so I know that this is couched in emergency numbers that you should have, but it's also inconvenience because you have, uh, the ability to bring all these phone numbers up on your phone. And our phones are, you know, it's a really great tool. A lot of people have different ideas about that. 
But we've gotten to the point where we don't, you know, memorize numbers anymore. We don't have phone books. You know, growing up, my mom had this gold phone book and she had every phone number in there, you know, that you could possibly imagine. Uh, all her friends and, you know, different phone numbers for different, like what we're talking about here, dentist and all that kind of stuff in that phone book. Now we have that in our phones and you can always look them up in your phones. And, and you know, I put a lot of phone numbers in my phone so that I have them. But you might not always have your phone. It might not always be convenient. Um, you want to be able to. Um, the other day, I was looking for a phone number, and I and I listed it under, for instance, plumber instead of the plumber's name. And so I was having I was having issues trying to find it. And so you know, having it on a list would have been a lot more convenient for me. I wouldn't have taken that time, you know, going through scrolling through my phone trying to find this one. All right, number 15 is a local children's crisis center. So if something serious happens to one of your children, calling the local children's crisis center can help. You'll need to do a quick Google search to find the number for the children's crisis center in your area. If there's more than one, you can write them all down to have a few options if you need them. All right, so um, I have different feelings about that local children's crisis center. Um, just because I dealt with kids in CPS custody, and I dealt with some really, really bad, man, I just, I almost don't want to say it, but I dealt with some bad people who, uh, not bad people, but they just weren't always uh, advocating for parents and parents' rights. You know, they advocated for the state. And uh, I just want to, uh, there's, I'm not saying that there's not good people in there. I know we have really good friends that are, well, one that is, you um, a great, a great person. Um, and, uh, I, I would trust her, you, you know, completely, but there are some people that just didn't do the right thing. You know, they were looking at numbers and, uh, they just, you know, just there. So, I uh, mean, I can, I can go into a bunch of different stories and I'm not going to do that here, but I, I think that local children's crisis center, I think that would be one that I probably would not include. It, it really depends on what you're talking about there as far as crisis center there. And so uh, just uh, I'm on, I'll just leave you with that. One of the things that Linda does is uh, she provides you with a list to her binder content forms. I've talked about these before, but your emergency grab and go binder. Uh, she's done a great job of putting these together and she offers them free. So if you don't have a binder with uh, maybe, you know, you want to have these emergency numbers in your binder or maybe um, these account numbers as well, then you can go ahead and download uh, this this binder uh, packet and print it out and, and go from there. So here are some of the other ones that I guess people shared with her. And uh, let me just add these really quickly to the list. Number 16 is a veterinarian. So we all have a veterinarian. So a few readers suggested, or we all have a veterinarian. So a few readers suggested we add this number. Awesome. So uh, there is a veterinarian, but also the veterinarian hospital is number 17. Sometimes we may need to go to a veterinarian hospital that is for after hours and is not our regular veterinarian location. I know that my son had to do this recently. He went to one and it was very expensive. And there was there's other hospitals that wouldn't have been as expensive. So when you are looking for the veterinarian and you're also you're looking for a veterinary hospital or an emergency hospital that you can take your pet to, then you might want to look into their prices as well um, because some of them are going to have different ranges. And so if you do it ahead of time, you're a little bit more proactive 
then you can save yourself a lot of money. Number 18 is elderly care home. So we all have relatives in elderly care centers. So when a, re a reader mentioned to add it, I jumped on it. Great idea. And so if you have your, uh, your parents or you know people in an elderly care home, you definitely want to get those numbers. Again, building relationships with those people are important. I know uh, I work with someone who is in constant contact with uh, an elderly home and she has a really good relationship. And because of that relationship with them, she is able to you know, have a little bit more freedom there. And so I think that's important too. Number 19 is family member names and phone numbers. I know we all have the, these names and numbers in our cell phones, but we need a hard copy in case our cell phones are not working. These would be great for neighbors that you trust to contact those family members in case of an emergency. I completely agree with Linda on this one. Again, we have our, our phones and we put phone numbers in there. We don't have to memorize them anymore. Even our, our kids, I mean, we, we don't know their phone numbers. We haven't memorized their phone numbers. And some people change phone numbers all the time. So you might have, uh, and there's a couple of people that, that I have in my phone that I have like two or three phone numbers for. I'm like, okay, which one is the right one? And so uh, I need to do a good job of going in there and deleting the old ones. But uh, that, that might be the case, right? So you want to have hard copies of that. One of the things I was going to talk about is I created a family emergency contact uh, number and plan years ago. And so um, I do offer that. I, I have a store. I don't really do a good job of promoting my store. But since I've been using Buy Me a Coffee, uh, I can put things like this over there. So I have a worksheet uh, and a fam family emergency contact and plan worksheet over there um, that you can download for $1, right? Just $1. And so it's a fillable PDF. And then you can put everybody's phone numbers in there. You can put your doctor's phone numbers. You can put, you know, it has different fields for different things. And you can, you can configure it any way you want. You can also put information about plans and what to do. And, and I've given you an example. I've kind of filled it in for you. And so you have an idea of what that might be. But then you go in there and you can delete those fields and you can type in what you want. The great thing about it is that you can save it and then you can print it out. You can uh, it's it's digitized so that you can send it. So, for instance, if uh, I was creating that for uh, a family, you know, for my family, I would fill it all in. I would send it to everybody through email. Uh, I might send it all through text so that they have it there and I might print it out so that they can keep it in their purse or in their in, in their vehicle somewhere. So they would have many different copies of it so that they can access it if they needed it. And they would have all these emergency numbers. So I'm going to link to buy me a coffee in this. Um, it's called an extra on buy me a coffee and you can go over there and download it for a dollar if you want. All right, number, of course, you can always create your own. So number 20 is credit reporting bureaus. So these are numbers that you might want to have so you don't have to look for them. Um, Equifax customer service, that's 1-800-548-7878. TransUnion customer service is 1-855-681-3196. And Experian customer service is 1-888-397-3742. And, you know, let me just say this. There are places on the internet, like if you were to go search on the internet, there are places that will fake, like for instance, Equifax. If you're not careful, you'll go to a fake Equifax website and you'll give them a lot of information and it's not really the real Equifax customer service 
um, website. So uh, having the, the real phone numbers ahead of time so that you can really vet them out, I think that would be good. Number 21 is the Social Security Customer Service. Uh, if you have questions or needs, that's the number that you need to call concerning your Social Security issues. It's 1-800-772-1213. So these are the essential emergency numbers that you need to have. You can't predict what will happen in life, whether you end up dealing with a dental emergency, a medical issue, or even a mental health crisis. However, you can make sure you are fully prepared by having a list of these important emergency numbers available and in a spot that you won't forget. May God bless this world, Linda. All right, so guys, there are, um, like I said, 21 here. Um, you might have other numbers, and that's the thing. You might have other specific numbers that you want to add, and so that would be you know, really smart. And so you could make your own and just photocopy them and then just share them out with family members. Um, that would be something that you can do. So uh, like always, I'm going to link to this article so you can go over there and check it out and download her binder uh, her grab-and-go binder templates. I think that would be really good if you are building your grab-and-go binder. If you haven't done that, you you want to use that. All right, so our next article comes to us from Prep School Daily. Um, the article is entitled, entitled How and When to Use Oxygen Absorbers. And so let's go ahead and jump into this one. I think this is one that a lot of people might want to know. Today, it's all about oxygen absorbers, those white packets you sometimes find in food you got from the grocery store and that every respectable prepper adds to their buckets and bags and jars of food they store at home. Most understand that oxygen absorbers help preserve their food, but confusion arises as to the limitations of what these little wonders can and can't do and what size packets for what size job. So what they are. The purpose of oxygen absorbers is to help maintain freshness, taste, and quality in the foods as well as protect them from insects. They only work in sealed containers or packages. Oxygen absorbers are available through Amazon, home storage centers in person or online, and grocery stores like Winco. So how do they work? Oxygen absorbers are little packets that contain iron, sodium, and activated carbon. The iron does the vast majority of the work here. The porous packet material allows the iron to absorb oxygen and moisture from the air in the container, but does not let any of the iron leak out. The sodium activates the iron, and the activated carbon absorbs gases and odors. Hand warmers, which some, preppers, some prepper websites advocate as a substitute for oxygen absorbers because they also contain iron, powder, sodium, and activated carbon are not food safe. They also contain vermiculite and may have traces of asbestos, not necessarily something you want right next to your food. And even if they were food safe, there's no way of calculating how much, how much oxygen they absorb. Would one hand warmer be sufficient? Hand warmers may work well for killing wool moths when storing your sweaters and blankets away for the summer. So what foods they are used with? Foods should be low in moisture, 10% or less. If the moisture content is not low enough, the conditions will be right for the growth of the bacteria that causes botulism. And instead of being happy that you have food, you will be wishing you were dead and then you will be dead. So oxygen absorbers are used for grains and grain products, flours and pastas, beans, nuts, chocolate, herbs and spices, dehydrated fruits and vegetables, pharmaceuticals, 
processed, smoked, cured meats and cheeses, dry milk products. Do not use oxygen absorbers with sugar, or if you do, the sugar will still be plenty safe to eat, but you will need a cheese grater or a hammer to use it. Oxygen absorbers turn sugar into rock-solid bricks. Don't use them for pancake mixes, yeast, baking soda, baking powder, or salt. Containers that they can be used with are Mylar bags, soda bottles, and that's the peat bottles with airtight screw-on caps. Milk jugs should not be used. Canning jars with gasketed metal lids are, or the reusable canning lids, like those produced by Tatler, and plastic buckets with a gasket, gasketed lid. What size oxygen absorber for what size container? There are actually quite a few variables that affect the capacity of the oxygen absorber needed. The volume of the container, the density of the food, and your altitude. Most guidelines provide only for the volume of the container and assume that grains and flours are being stored and that is what is provided in the chart below. However, if you are storing items that are less dense or have more air like beans, pasta, and freeze-dried meals, you need double the number of cc's in your oxygen absorbers. For example, if you would use a 1500 cc absorber or the equivalent amount in smaller absorbers for a 5-gallon bucket of wheat, you would need two of these 1,500cc absorbers for the same bucket of beans or pasta. However, just to keep things interesting, if you live at higher altitudes, above 4,000 feet, you need fewer oxygen absorbers or less oxygen absorbers capacity, I should say. So if you would normally use five 300cc absorbers for a 5-gallon bucket, if you were at high altitudes, you would only need four. Yes, the math doesn't work out perfectly because we are limited in the selection of CC absorbers and it is always better to have more CCs than is required. So here's a, a little table here of the amount of CCs uh, in a, an absorber and what they would be used in, right? What kind of container? So 100 CC absorber is, would be used for one quart jar or one liter bottle. 100 cc absorber or two of them for a half gallon jar or a mylar bag. 300 cc absorber for one gallon container or a number 10 can. 500 cc absorber for a one gallon bag. 1000 cc absorber for two gallon mylar bag. 1500 cc absorber for a five gallon bucket. And 2000 cc absorber for a six gallon bucket. And an anecdotal tidbit for those living at higher altitudes. Back in my beginning food storage days over 30 years ago now, when I lived at Lake, in, at Lake Tahoe, there was a woman who had lived there for at least 10 years at the time. She was very good about using and rotating her long-term food storage items. She kept her food in plastic buckets and never used anything to protect it from bugs and attributed it to all to the high altitude. She was at 7,000 or 7,500 feet. I was at 6,500 feet and never noticed a problem either, but I wasn't there as long. It may also be a factor of the lack of humidity. For what it's worth, however, the only, this only has to do with bug infestation. You'd still want to use oxygen absorbers at high altitudes to preserve freshness. So how do you use oxygen absorbers? First, calculate how many you need for each container, taking into account the volume of the container and density of the food, and if applicable, your altitude. Have all your buckets, bags, and jars filled and ready to be sealed. Remove as many absorbers as you will use in the next 15 to 30 minutes and spread them out on a tray so that they do not touch one another. 
Place the remaining absorbers in the smallest canning jar that will hold all of them and fill it in with uncooked rice. Replace the canning lid and band and vacuum seal as well if possible. A one pint jar will hold about 25 absorbers. Put the oxygen absorbers on top of the food and seal the container. While bags may shrink around the food as the oxygen is absorbed, this usually takes a few days. All the gas does not need to be removed for the food to be preserved. Remember, these are oxygen absorbers. The nitrogen, which makes up almost 80% of our air, remains in the bag. So is using an oxygen absorber the same as a vacuum packing, packaging? Actually, no. Oxygen absorbers are more efficient at removing oxygen than vacuum packing. The gas that remains in the package is only nitrogen, which will not affect the food nor permit the growth of bugs, but you can always combine both methods to provide an additional layer of protection if that makes you feel better. There's no harm in it unless you're using mylar bags and anything that will poke holes in the mylar like rice. Then it's best to skip the vacuum sealing. All right, so you know she talked a little bit here about the different containers that you can use. I've always used, I have not used oxygen absorbers with soda bottles, although I've seen that done on videos. I have not used it with uh, canning jars, although again, I've seen it on videos. I know people have talked about that. Uh, I have uh, not used it just with plastic buckets and not anything else. Now, the way that I've always used oxygen absorbers are with um, mylar bags inside of five gallon buckets. And, and you know, you put everything in there and then you seal it all, all up. And uh, the reason the reason being is uh, I wanted that extra layer. So mylar bags, you don't need the bucket for the mylar bags. You can you can use a mylar bag. You can seal it up. It will get you know really tight and all that kind of stuff. And you can just put it you know wherever you want to keep it. The issue is that they're very thin, and so if something was to poke it, even if you were to you know um, set it down kind of hard and not really. Um, you know, it hit a, a hard surface, it could bust open, those different kinds of things, right? So having the Mylar bag inside of a five-gallon bucket with and using the oxygen absorbers, that's the way that I've always done it. And I think that that's just, um, it's like uh, that extra safety uh, component there. And I think a lot of people probably do it that way as well. There's a lot of people that use canning jars, but for me, I just, um, that's just, to me, that's more work, right? When I'm thinking about um, food storage and stuff like that. Um, I'm thinking long-term when I'm using oxygen absorbers. And if you're just using canning jars, I would rather use that for just regular canning and not, not for more of a, of a long-term uh, situation or a solution. So anyway, uh, a lot of good information here. I think it's been a long time since I've talked about oxygen absorbers on on the podcast, but uh, a lot of great information over here at Prep School Daily. Um, go check out um, Prep School Daily and Food Storage Moms. You know, both of these ladies have books, uh, ebooks that are available that are uh, highly recommended on Amazon with good reviews. And so you might want to check them out and, and support their, um, their, their work in the preparedness community. I have a lot to say about that topic, and maybe that will be something that I, that I share in a future podcast um, because I think things are, are getting to a point where uh, you might not have as many options with people creating content out there in the future. It's just it's getting harder and harder to be able to to sustain, you know, to sustain yourself when you're doing um, when you're creating content. And uh, it's not as favorable for those that are creating preparedness content 
because they're always looped in with, you know, everybody else, you know, being, I don't know, the, the, the crazies or whatever. I know that Brian Adele did a great video over with uh, Daisy Luther over at the Organic Prepper just recently on some of the things that she has dealt with. Um, and uh, so they have a, a video channel that, they, that they've done this on. And uh, I'm going to share that with you also in the, the notes uh, over at the Survival Preppers um, video or YouTube channel. And so I'll share that if you're interested in going and, and taking a look at that, because it's uh, like I said, it's getting for those that depend on it and they've made it their, their life calling to, uh, to do this full time. It's getting harder and harder. And so when you support, um, the preparedness websites that are out there making content, it is a, a blessing for them and they're able to continue doing what they're doing. So I'll just leave that there and, um, Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more in the future. Well, everyone, like I said, I am going to link to all of this information to make it easy for you to go check it out in the show notes. Um, if you are interested in that uh, emergency uh, contact list and plan, family emergency contact list and plan, um, there's a link in the show notes to buy me a coffee where you can go check that out. And uh, I'll just leave it there. Guys, that's it for episode 699. To subscribe to the show, Make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, head on over to PrepperWebsite.com, where we link to 8 to 12 articles every day of the very best self-reliant articles out there. We also have pages dedicated to alternative news, firearms, DIY, Bible prophecy, frugal living, and homesteading. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF on 25 handpicked preparedness articles that you should read. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, live with no regrets and stay prepped and aware. Peace.